It's not just pitchers and batters adjusting to the pitch clock. Baseball teams are reconsidering when and how they sell beer. It's Monday, April 17th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. For decades, MLB teams have cut off beer sales in the seventh inning, but the pitch clock is changing that calculus. Joining me now to discuss what's happening is Darren Ravel of the Action Network. Welcome, Darren. Thanks, Owen. Glad to be here. So first, let's just get to know you a little bit. So how long have you been writing about sports? I started covering the business of sports in 2000. So we're coming up on the the Jordan year, 23 years. Yeah, easy to calculate, Uh, just whatever year it is. Six years at uh, ESPN, then six years at CNBC, another six years at ESPN. And uh, since 2018, I've been at the Action Network covering betting. Okay, yeah, great. And it's, you know, so you've been on some some beats that are hot right now in the early days, both business of sports and sports betting. Um, yeah, you're there, uh, not, not even like, at, you know, at the first step, it feels like you were there like, before everyone else kind of yeah. were aware that I was a thing. Yeah, I mean, for sports business, for sure. Betting, you know, uh, the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act of 92 was essentially repealed in May of, of 2018. I was still at ESPN and basically said, are you guys going to go full bore into gambling? They said no, and I said, I'm out of here. So, you know, ha- having been in New Jersey, the state that brought the case that went all the way to Supreme Court, the fact that they were like, the first real big state to actually do it. It happened before my eyes. I saw the buses with all the branding on it. I could see that at maturity, this thing would be pretty damn popular. And uh, so kind of slanted going more into that over the business of sports and turned out well. And New Jersey was like, other than maybe Nevada, was was the most mature, the fastest. I mean, they yeah. they were having the biggest handle of any state for a while. I think New yeah. York is now yeah. past so them. for for fifteen, sixteen months. Yes, they were they were number one until you know New York came and obliterated it. It took a long time. I mean, New York was till what January twenty twenty two, where we finally you know saw them getting into mobile. Um, but yeah, to to see. It at maturity, knowing that it was fully operational in 25 states, uh, that it was in now population wise more than half the country. Um, but to see what it was in New Jersey certainly helped me make my decision to make the jump. And there's momentum in Texas. California had a very weird ballot situation last election that I think they learned their lesson. I think it'll, I mean, California, I think it'll pass here well, eventually. It's just like Florida where. The way, right. they write, the way they write it on the ballot is a little, is per, I, I, to use literally words, is purposely obfuscatory. You know, people don't even know what they're voting for. Um, you know, in Texas, every other year, the legislature meets, makes it a little complicated. But yeah, I mean, betting is doing pretty well considering two out of the three largest states in the country don't have legal betting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's already such a huge industry. So I wanted to jump into a topic that you've written about recently that's been in in the news of our world recently, which is how Major League Baseball concessions and beer sales are adjusting to the pitch clock world because they were used to these long leisurely games where you could, you know, dip out when, you know, the other team comes up to bat and, you know, get back to your seat, you know, maybe midway through that half inning. Things have changed now. These games are moving on at a fast clip. So what what's going on on the concessions and beer sales end there? 
Well, as a journalist, you have to have some sort of supposition, but then you also have to do the work. Um, and so the intuitive nature of it is, okay, well, games are being shortened by 31 minutes. Is it really 31 minutes less beer sales? And obviously, you know, first I had to trace what the history of was, this was. It was never written about like what the history of the seventh inning cutoff was because in 1980, every single team allowed you to drink and serve through the ninth inning. Um, you know, then in the mid 80s, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, other activist groups came out and all of a sudden by 1985, we only have eight teams that are, that are serving longer than the eighth inning. The Expos, by the way, I mean... I don't know what they were thinking, but they were serving until an hour after the game, 1985. Uh, the next moment was in 88. The Cubs, um, you know, long time, a drinking culture at Wrigley connected to old style. But once they had um, the, the night game in 88, as part of that, they agreed to the seventh inning or a 9.20 p.m. cutoff. And then the big moment was in 1991 when the Cardinals, of course, owned by Anheuser-Busch itself, playing in Busch Stadium, decided to, to do a seventh inning cutoff. And so that changed things. And then, you know, obviously you, you, you have this whole idea with, okay, now it's 31 minutes shorter. In order to make up the revenue, they're going to go to the eighth inning. So we're now at six teams on the eighth inning or more. The only one of them started the season, the Orioles at that. But then you're like, wait, shouldn't it be the sixth inning? Like, right. If if you care about people leaving not being sober, shouldn't it have to roll back versus, oh, no, no, let's try to get in more. And so that's certainly been the conversation. I think the player on the Phillies mentioned that the other day. Yeah, Matt Strom, I believe, said, yeah, wait, what are we doing here? Yeah, what are we doing here? Now, there is a couple nuances here, which is, one, um, we've, we've, we've managed to um, – allow for faster service at the park. So um, it's not necessarily the case that they're letting any revenue go. Uh, this is not your father's ballpark. They have walk-in coolers. They have easier ways to pay, easier ways to get in. People are not waiting 15 minutes online. So like that means that now the Brewers were one of the teams that did it. The Brewers are ironically, even there, the call the Brewers played in Miller park. They were for some time they were in the, they were a sixth inning cutoff team with a couple teams. Uh, now they're the eighth and um, you know, they said they're going to look at it, but, but uh, you know, I looked at one of their games, the last game that they played at home there, there's normally an average of 68 pitches after the seventh inning there were 16 in their last game. So essentially if the Brewers are up and they're playing at home and they're not playing a bottom of the ninth, you're essentially being able to order a beer to go. So the concessionaires I spoke to, and they're going to say what they want to, want to say, but the concessionaires I spoke to said, we're much better at identifying people that are drunk. So that's another thing. Like, the truth is you really haven't heard a whole lot of stories. And so, you know, if, if in each game, let's say each team is going to would, would actually lose $750,000. Well, you know, one accident of one idiot who gets overserved and then there's a lawsuit that wipes that out completely. So I think the concessionaires are smart. I think the teams understand that, that they won't ruin this, but I think the jury's still out one, whether they're losing money at all, and two, you know, whether this is a smart thing to do to extend it in an inning rather than draw back an inning. Yeah. And I feel like 
I mean, not exactly the solution, but, or sort of a solution, is just having a smarter concession system where you just order on your phone or, you know, or there's just like more beer guys and more like hot dog guys like making the rounds. Or very clear. It's very clear that, you know, the people who automatically surmise that there has to be a loss here doesn't understand what the, the, the state of technology and how technology has changed the game. I mean, the, the amount of, whether it's run by Amazon or a credit card company, the amount of like walk-in coolers that now can scan your ID, the self-serve beer, things have changed a lot. Yeah, this might end up being a non-issue, but also there might be some accident where people say, well, yeah, he ordered a beer in the ninth inning. What do you expect? It was his fourth beer of the game. Um, and by so- the way, if that accident happened, it's going to be, you know, it will probably be a domino effect. Now, I used to think that baseball controlled the seventh inning. They don't. But, but you can imagine if there's an eighth or ninth inning situation um, or something happens and a team rolls it back, maybe baseball would take control of this to just save everyone. Maybe it's a black eye. So it'd, it'd be interesting. To, it's going to be interesting to see whether baseball would, would itself would control the policy if something happened. Right. It feels like, you know, just sports capitalism in general is all just about you know you you have what you want you self-regulate it's not our problem we just have the product so it's interesting to see this balance of like does this norm hold or you know is it just you know bottom line just purely dollars and cents better to cut things off at the seventh or even the sixth inning probably not the sixth but we'll see yeah i mean it's it will be interesting to follow. I, I, it seems like every week there's another team that's bending its knee and saying, "All right, we'll go to the eighth inning." Uh, no one's roll. I, I don't expect anyone to try to roll it back to the sixth. But yeah, I guess we'll see. Darren Ravel, thanks so much for joining us. You got it. Thanks, Owen. Let's see what else is happening out there. The NWSL team OL Rain, which plays in Seattle, is for sale. They're the third NWSL team to hit the market. The Chicago Red Stars and Portland Timbers are for sale as well. The league is also expanding to Utah and the San Francisco Bay Area, and it is believed a team in Boston is on the way sometime soon. So if you want to own a women's soccer team, now is a good time to speak up. But there are even more moving parts on a potential sale of Serie A club Inter Milan. Andrea Rodrizzani, who owns Premier League club Leeds through his company Acer Ventures, is considering a bid, but only if he can sell his 56% stake in Leeds to the entity that owns the other 44%, which happens to be the investment arm of the San Francisco 49ers. So the 49ers may end up owning a Premier League team because an Italian businessman wants to swap it out for a team in his home country. And negotiations around a stadium for the Washington Commanders are picking up now that there is a new owner coming in who lawmakers are presumably happy to work with, unlike the outgoing owner. The Commanders are in the enviable position of being able to stay in the same area, but still having Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. all trying to lure them in. Up next, I spoke to the head of Fubo Sports, Pamela Duckworth. We talked about what the future of sports media and really all media is going to look like, plus her experiences as a female executive in a male-dominated world. We'll have that conversation right after this. Here's what's trending now. You can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Everything they need to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity. 
Whether your business generates millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, take advantage of the special financing offer of no payments or interest for six months at netsuite.com slash frontoffice. That's netsuite.com slash frontoffice. All right, I am joined now by Pamela Duckworth, the head of networks and originals at Fubo. Welcome, Pamela. Hey, thanks, Owen. Good to be here. Great to have you. So let's let's start just by learning a little bit about you. So you've been uh, teams you've been in in media and broadcast media for a long time. Uh, so just give us the you know cliff notes of your career and how you ended up at at Fubo. Yeah, I have been in a long time, <laughs> over thirty years. So um, I started out you know at a public broadcasting station uh, while I was in college in Ohio in Bowling Green, Ohio. Um, and um, kind of organically got into sports there when a sports production company came through town and needed PAs, right? So I ended up loving the sports aspect of television so much and was lucky enough that the, that company liked me and they invited me to tour with them to go on a tour for um, a car racing series that summer. So I kind of just got into it that way and have always kept you know, involved in different aspects, You know, worked every kind of car racing, NASCAR included, and was always like one of the only uh, females, you know, in the truck, which was always exciting as well. And it's, um, I don't know if you, uh, how much racing you watch, but it's, it's an adrenaline rush. You know, you're in there for three hours and it's nonstop. So uh, I really got into it. Um, but I've kind of touched uh, all aspects of television and film uh, from entertainment into sports. But then when I came back, when I came to Fubo, uh, David Gandler wanted to start this sports network and I thought it was fantastic. And that's what we did back in 2019. Yeah. And, you know, you, you probably had some some options about where you wanted to go in your career at the time. What spoke to you about Fubo? You know, what? It, honestly, it was David and Alberto. Um, I had an initial meeting with them and I loved their energy and their vision. And I also love coming. I had just left um, DirecTV, where I was head of national advertising production and events for 11 years. And, and I was like, oh, a startup. This could be really cool because, you know, DirecTV was pretty big. And um, I just actually was just attracted to those two. And, and I wanted to take a chance. Yeah. And the, the media world, I mean, maybe especially the streaming world, I, I feel like is is dominated by a few giants. So what is it like to to be a startup? And I, we should also just get the the vision for Fubo. So it's it's a sort of sports forward, uh, sports centric streaming service, but you've got other content in there as well, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, basically, it's come for the sports, stay for the entertainment. If you mm-hmm. want to think of it that way. So we're an aggregator of all channels. So we're a cable replacement. So you know you don't need your cable box. It's just an app. You throw it on your smart TV, and you have everything you want to watch. Um, but we are, you know, sports first, like you mentioned, and continually adding to that roster. Um, we just recently added 100 fast channels to give more entertainment options as well. So yeah, that's what we are. But to your earlier point, another reason I want to join is because they were the underdog, because they weren't the big dog, you know. Um, and it's just more exciting to try to make it work out, right? You have to work harder. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've got, you know, a, a lot of the, the major leagues, like if you are just a kind of full service sports fan, um, you don't want to just get like MLB TV or like, you know, the. Oh, NFL we did just Plus. get that. OK, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so do you want to just rattle off like the, the major leagues that you have? Oh, well, if you think about it, we have almost everyone because we have all the big broadcast channels as well. Correct. So whatever you want to watch, we're pretty much going to have it. Um, so just. 
you know, just us adding MLB TV, you know, with the whole RSN issue and Diamond Sports, mm-hmm. um, we're giving our viewers the option to watch whatever they want. And that's what we're going to continue to do. In the streaming world, there is this big scramble for sports rights for kind of everyone except Netflix. Um, but, you know, like, how do you choose between, you know, Paramount Plus and Peacock and, like, app, you know, Apple and Amazon? A lot of them are saying, well, we've got the Premier League. We've got the NFL. We've got whatever. Um, so uh, what is it like having sports at the, the center where it's not just like an add-on? to what you're doing, but it's, it's kind of the main thing you are, are presenting to viewers. Well, you know, if you, if you think about it, what's happening in our business is we're, we're making it hard on the consumer, on the customer. It's like, they have to search for where they're going to watch something, you know, they have to like, they, it's, we're just not making it easy. So what we're trying to do is just be the aggregator. Right? We're not trying to go out there and make it hard on the consumer. We actually care about the consumer, and um, we got evidence of that when we won the JD Power for best uh, customer service. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that, that making it easy part that was the great appeal of, of cable is you know way too expensive, but you get all the channels in the world. You hear about some show you want to watch, like it's it's all in your cable bundle. Like you can watch your sports, you can watch your news, you can watch you know your like home shopping network. It's it's just like it's all there. And now it's this, you know, it's it's all split out into a bunch of different streaming services. Um, and each one is, is trying to be comprehensive in some way. I mean, if you're one of the big ones, you know, Netflix, Amazon, Apple. Do you feel like you, that Fubo needs to be comprehensive in a similar way or like sports comprehensive or what, what's, what's the vision there? Well, you know, we do lean into sports, as I said, but we also, you know, do our own original content. So we're a good combination. You know, you're never going to be like, you know, if you think of Netflix, it's more just entertainment, correct? And if you, you know, all the other guys, our goal is to give you exclusives and to give you everything you want to watch. And um, it seems to be working for us. You know, even with Fubo Sports Network, where we have four originals and then a mix of partner programming, uh, we our viewership increased, increased like 115% last year. Um, and it's just on a, a really good trajectory. Um, so we're just going to stay in that lane. What's the future of, of cable TV? Is it just going to die a slow death and then in 10 years it, it'll kind of be done? Or is, is there sort of like a 2.0, 3.0, whatever, whatever we're on now um, where it can continue on? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I still believe streaming is the future. You know, cable and... Um, and I was in cable for a long time, you know, satellite. So I understand it quite well. But I just think that they have to, you know, you just can't do the old school ways. You can't, you just can't do it the way it was done before. Because clearly it's not working, right? So they're either going to have to like just revamp their whole ecosystem or, you know, maybe go away. I don't know. Sometimes I look at, the, at life as like it's cyclical, right? Like things just come back around. So I don't know. We'll just have to keep our eye on everyone. You mentioned at the beginning, often being the only woman or one of the only women, um, you know, at, at the race, at in the media room. Um, do you think it's gotten easier for women in media and sports media over the last couple decades? Oh, I certainly hope so. You know, you know, they always say like there's certain women who led the way. Um, you know, I, I hope that I helped, you know, and I, I have a lot of women on my team currently that um, help produce our shows. You know, do all the graphic design. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really proud about that. That I, I really do try to help women break through. 
But with that said, I also believe that whoever's right for the job should be in the job. So um, I think it's just working out in our favor now. Yeah. Do you think you had to work harder for the same jobs, you know, at least in the earlier days? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I did. And like I tell everyone, and you know, we have a mentorship program at work. So I have um, some younger women uh, that I meet with weekly. uh, And we discuss this all the time. And it's like, I kind of went into my career. It didn't bother me that I had to work harder, you know, like I knew I had to work harder because I I love working. So that's the good news. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's definitely better there. I I don't know. You got to work for what you want, right? And you have to love what you do. And like I tell everyone, you have to build your relationships and you have to nurture your relationships because I've literally gotten every one of my jobs in my career through the, the one before, like someone went here, then they said, Hey, come with me. So I kind of was lucky enough to have, uh, great leaders in my life who, um, liked working with me, thought I did a great job and, uh, just took me on to the next level. Yeah. Great. All right. Pamela Duckworth. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks Owen. Talk soon. That's it for today. The NHL playoffs start tonight. The Boston Bruins had possibly the best regular season in history, and now it's time to see if they can continue their dominance in what I think is the most grueling epic playoffs in any sport. Are you picking the Bruins or any other team to hoist the cup? Let me know on Twitter at Owen Poindexter or at our mailbox at today at frontofficesports.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.